2: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host Adam
1: Sklina. and I'm your other host Matt Skelina.
2: And Matt, I am fired up for today's episode. Yeah. We have Lane Hellrung on the program. That's right, Lane Hellrung. He's a litigator with Castles Brock. Did not bill us hour hourly. He did not. Yeah, well, he's taking a percentage of this show. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've got he him just on retainer, fifteen percent of the website. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> No, but it was a great conversation. We
1: are covering pre-sale condos today. And the nice thing uh, about this, and I, I don't necessarily think we fall into this category, but I would say real estate agents generally from a personality perspective are optimists. Right. I think they see the glass is always half full, right? Sure. Lean is comes from the other side. Not yeah. necessarily pessimistic. He's optimistic. But he, yeah. He's His clients are pessimistic. <laughs> that's what they went through the process. <laughs> he he deals with, he's a fixer, right? He's yeah. the guy who deals with the problems. That's all he sees. So he's here to give everyone listening kind of a checklist of right. cautionary tales and things to watch for when it comes to pre-sale condos. But before we get to that, Adam, yeah. we got a few things to talk about. One, Happy Canada Day. Thank you.
2: Uh, Thank you. I'm wearing I'm I'm in my my red jumpsuit. Yeah, I know. Getting that's ready to go to Canada me. Place. Is that is that where it's held? I this is the thing. I actually a client of mine asked me today. He said, "Where's the party?" He's not. He's not from Canada. <laughs> um, he said, "Where is the party? Like what happens on Canada Day?" And yeah. I was like. That escapes me. I have no idea. Like is, it, a, is it Kitts Beach? Is it, where is it? I'm not sure. This
1: year though. Write to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us know. We might we might find out after it's done. Yeah. But did you see, actually, I saw, there's a headline this morning, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci from the the States, the right? the main doctor. The, the guy. Yeah. The guy said, the most dangerous thing you can do right now is drink in a bar. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or take a cruise probably. Yeah. Yeah, well, which you can't do. Yeah. But I but I'm saying <laughs> so it, uh, dangerously uh, they uh, it down. <laughs> <laughs> but literally the most dangerous thing you can do is drink in a bar. Which totally justifies my drinking at home. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly, but, exactly. But, um, but
2: happy Canada day. Yeah. yeah uh, nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Um Matt, this show is phenomenal. This one's really exciting. We've got we I think we go in more depth and more detail about pre-sale condos than we ever have on this program today. And we've kind of got the lawyer's take, which Different if perspective, you, right? It's, it is a different perspective, and we kind of go deep. So if you want to learn, I mean, this is going to be a great episode for agents, um, absolutely, who want to learn more. This will definitely be people that are considering purchasing a pre-sale condo. Or if you've already bought a pre-sale condo, you'll probably learn more about uh, the process you're currently in.
1: That's that's exactly it. And be, But before we cut to our talk with Lane, yes. we have a few notes. One – July eleventh, nine to twelve, the Vancouver Real Estate Summit. This is a right. Zoom seminar. Yep, there's like eleven speakers.
2: We just heard our place. We, <laughs> ju-
1: we just heard our place. We're after yeah. coffee at ten thirty, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're we're during the bathroom break. Yeah, <laughs> they they really they're they're really excited about
1: having us, but we will be there. We're sending out an email tomorrow. That's Thursday to register. 9 to 12, so many exciting guests, You got to be, to
2: get these emails, by the way, you got to be a a member of the email list, the VREP LiveWire, which you should all be on if you're a listener of the show.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The VREP community, there's no reason why you shouldn't be on the LiveWire list. It's going out tomorrow. If you're not on it and you want to find out how to register... Get in touch with us, info at Vancouver real estate Podcast.com. That's July 11th, 9 to 12.
2: This is, and this is just a list. It's a list of sophisticated investors in Vancouver real estate. Um, Dave Steele is talking about having 60,000 doors. During COVID. During COVID. If you can't learn something from Dave Steele about real inve- real estate investing... I don't know what's wrong. Well, with you know it. what and they
1: also have guys talking about storage right. uh, as an investment. Uh, there's uh, let's put it this Kyle Greens making an appearance. There's yeah. there's a lot uh, of great speakers lined up. It's going to be a great morning not to be missed. I can't wait. We also got the Sellers Club. This is the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast Sellers Club. Yes. This is an exclusive group. It does. It, but it's growing it so quickly. It is. It
2: is. It is. It's hard. We, it's hard to stretch mahogany, but we'll try. <laughs> we're just trying to grow the room here. Um, but it is an exclusive club. Uh, we can't wait because we're, right now we've already sent out basically the sold plan, which is start on launch date plan. Um, bringing your ho- Vancouver home to market checklist. Um, we've also got a cleaning checklist that got sent out.
1: Um, if you're not on this list, I mean, really, you you gotta be on this list. This, this, there's, if you have a home that you're thinking of selling, you want to be on this list. You're also like, what's up next? So we got the, so your home hasn't sold. I'm sent. Yeah. So I'm. That's in the works. I'm working on that right now.
2: I, I love that as a resource. Um, I'm also sending out some spring, summer cleaning contacts. Uh, these are people that we've worked with before, like. For example, curbside pickup, like saving money on having stuff transported throughout the city, um, way, way more affordable than certain junk removal companies that I uh, that will remain nameless. Right. And really, Matt, these resources are just are just the best resources for selling your home
1: and ongoing. So s- head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, dot com, sign up, Sellers Club. You won't be disappointed.
2: Yeah, you'll have to actually put Sellers Club in the
1: in the title of the email. Yeah. And, and we'll add you to the list. Info at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. And we are also, last but not least, sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage. One of the fastest, if not fastest, growing brokerages I think they're in like the city of Vancouver. I think they're like north of
2: 500 agents now, maybe.
1: Pretty close, that's for sure. It is a fantastic culture to work in. Right. It's a fantastic place to be. Head over to Oakland.com slash join. Type in VRP2020. That's VRP2020 at Oakland.com slash join. You'll get a huge gift. You will. It's a huge surprise. It's massive. This is a. This is bring for, a truck. And we should say very very quickly. This is for agents, aspiring agents, people that are, you know, looking to make a change. These, this is who we're speaking to. Yeah, when we're talking about Oakland here. Uh, VRP 2020. Huge gift. You'll meet Michael and Morgan. You will be impressed. That is a guarantee with Morgan at least. <laughs> vrp 2020 <laughs> no and michael <laughs> of course michael okay. at open.com slash join yes all right but maybe with uh with all that taken care of let's uh cut to our talk with lane this is uh, seven
2: pro tips for buying a pre-sale condo in vancouver enjoy Okay, so we're here with Lane Hellrung, litigator at Castles Brock. How are you doing, Lane? Good.
3: Thanks for having me today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to join us here. Yeah, Lane, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: So I'm a lawyer in Vancouver. My legal practice focuses on business and real estate litigation. So that means I'm usually brought in when there's a problem or I'm, I'm brought in to do some risk assessment about a potential problem. Uh, most of my cases are in court, but sometimes I do arbitration.
1: So when you're uh, dealing with real estate, you're basically, the only times you're seeing people are when they're unhappy.
3: Almost all of my clients are unhappy. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you're suing someone or you're getting sued. Yeah. Um, what I can offer is to try and make the best of the situation. Right. In, in real estate work, usually there's a deal to be had. I mean, you guys have been through the situation before where someone's trying to get out of the contract. Usually you can make an adjustment to the purchase price and make it happen. So I'm really trying to connect those two players and the landscape is essentially the court litigation.
2: How often do, like, is there a, a percentage, would you say, of your courses that of your cases that end up actually going
3: to court? If I had to ballpark it, I'd say about 95% settle. So, settle, right. so, so most cases settle. And this is one of the things... Unfortunately, you learn in practice. You might have rights on paper, but actually enforcing those rights can be a pretty expensive process. So I, I'm hopeful today we can talk a bit about um, some of the risks in real estate, especially in pre-sale contracts. Right. right.
1: Well, this, this is why we we asked you to come on is is basically to really focus on the pre-construction uh, world of real estate, right? Uh, because it's it's a lot different than the resale world and I think everybody in Vancouver knows about uh, pre-construction and buying uh, a pre-sale and everybody probably knows somebody who's made a lot of money uh, buying a pre-sale over the last 10 years. But I think where there's a disconnect is actually understanding what a pre-sale is. So maybe that's a good place to start, uh, Lane. Can you tell us a little bit about what a pre-sale contract actually is?
3: So a pre-sale contract is a contract under which a purchaser gets the right to purchase a development unit from the developer once the development is completed. So this is a contract that you enter into sometimes months or years before the development is complete. And a lot of people have asked me, I mean, why are these contracts so long? Why are they so hard to understand? And I did a hearing um, a few years ago. And we spent five days arguing arguing over how to interpret these contracts. I mean, they're not straightforward. And the unfortunate reason that they're so complicated is because if I'm going to build something in three years and I'm going to have all these contractors and I'm going to have the city involved, there are a lot of unknowns. So I need to draft something fairly comprehensive to deal with all those unknowns. And I think that's the problem. It's human nature. We don't all review those documents in detail. And obviously, new things can come up. Um, but my hope today is we can point out some of the, the key things that you should be looking for.
2: I, I always thought it was to create realtor fatigue, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is a byproduct of those, uh, those contracts.
3: Now, it's interesting. I mean, um, I've had people ask me a pretty pointed question, which I think is interesting. You know, why, why do developers pre sell? And I think pre-selling contra- pre-selling units is a great opportunity to say, hey, is there an interest in the development? And a lot of construction lenders, um, it's a pretty good indication if they're going to get paid on time. So they, they want to see good pre-sale numbers also. Right. So, you know, from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but you are accepting some risk when you enter into this contract, when you're going to move in in 2023. So
1: we have kind of seven things you need to know before you buy uh, a pre-sale. But maybe we'll just start with this. Is is that contract a fair contract in your mind?
3: So it's interesting. Uh, The contract is drafted by the developer. Right. and And I don't think the purchaser has much leeway. I mean, they can negotiate the specific terms of the contract. It's fair, I think, if you're selling to someone who's fully informed, And that's how the law works. And, you know, the goal of today is not to get into the nitty gritty because it's pretty complicated. But how the law essentially works in British Columbia is we have a disclosure system and you get um, essentially two key documents. You'll have your contract, purchase and sale. That's obviously the most important document. The second document you'll have is a disclosure statement. And this is something lengthy, which talks about the development and about the developer. So in a perfect world, You've got a purchaser who reads both of those, understands both of those, understands the risks, and understands what they're getting. The reality, as we all know, is a lot of people don't read these contracts or understand them. Um, I'm a lawyer, and coming back to that uh, story I told you about two minutes ago, I mean, we had a five-day hearing to talk about what these contracts mean. This is a bunch of lawyers in a courtroom. I don't expect a lot of people actually understand them. And that's one of the reasons I thought it was interesting to do this podcast. I'm involved in a case about canceling pre-sale contracts right now, and I've talked to a number of people who just don't understand how these contracts work.
1: And and are you are you finding there's an uptick in business right now with coronavirus and kind of the uncertainty of of uh, the market yeah. and also the world? Well, well, uh, yeah. And just to kind of
2: add to that. Um, when people have made a lot of money on their pre-sales, usually they're not calling their lawyer, right? They just want to complete on it and and, and problems go away. Yeah, Or problems the, are not noticed when you're <laughs> up 100K. <laughs> exactly. But it's when you feel like you might be down or or that it wasn't a great investment often when, when you're calling a lawyer, I would
3: imagine. So let's go back to 2014 to 2017. I mean, you're riding the market. Market's going up. Um, usually if there's any dispute between parties involved in real estate development, You can cut a check. You can work it out. Um, We're in an interesting space right now. Um, What I'm seeing in the market is I'm doing a ton of commercial leasing work. So commercial tenants, retailers who want to get out of their leases, uh, landlords who want to keep people in. So I'm seeing a lot of that. That's keeping me busy. The other piece is um, we've got some developers failing, which is unfortunate, but it's part of being in business. And you've also got people who are trying to get out of deals right now. They're probably, their business is not doing as well. They might not be able to afford a purchase. So that's, you know, another side of what I'm doing right now. I haven't seen this in pre-sales, but I have seen this in kind of the resale market.
1: Oh, interesting. So you haven't seen uh, an uptick in in pre-sale activity, really?
3: So in terms of just personally in my office, um, I know there's more real estate receiverships in terms of, you know, failed developers. I haven't seen an uptick personally in, in people who are looking to get out of pre-sale contracts. Um, I know there's some of that going on in the city right now.
1: Right, right.
3: So maybe let's move to
1: number one, Matt. Drum roll. Number one, understand what you're buying, a contractual interest.
3: So, so this is, I think, one of the most important things you've got to be thinking about when you're buying a pre-sale. There's a difference between a pre-sale contract and your standard form purchase and sale agreement when you're buying something that's already built. And this is, it it seems like a bit of a technical nuance, but it's an important difference. So when when you're buying that pre-built property, and you've got a contract of purchase and sale, if the deal falls apart, you can, in some circumstances, sue and enforce the contract and get that deal to happen. That's called specific performance. When you're dealing with a pre-sale contract, What you've got is a contractual right to purchase the development unit. So you only get an actual interest in the land, an interest in the property once the deal happens. So pre-deal, what you're dealing with, um, pre-completion, so if the deal doesn't happen yet, what you're dealing with is a claim for damages. And where I see the big problem, and we'll talk about this a little little bit later today, is I buy a pre-sale today – Three years down the line, it doesn't happen for whatever reason. I mean, the developer cancels the project or something changes in my own circumstances. Um, that's very different than if I have a contract that I've just entered into that you guys have helped me out with that'll close in two months. So you have this contractual right and that's a bit of a nuance, but it's an important one.
1: Is, and when you say contractual right to purchase, uh, it's also... Like in my mind, the idea of the right to purchase means like, hey, it's yours to it's yours to buy uh, when it's but, built, yeah, when it completes, when it actually completes. But it's also a contractual in in some senses, a contractual obligation to purchase.
3: You do it's it's an obligation. I mean that that's what I'd call it. Um, what I think is tough, though, and I, I want to give you guys an example because I think examples are the best. Um, I enter into a contract to purchase something for. A million bucks. I end up putting down ten percent. It's going to close in two years. Something has changed in my financial circumstances, and I think that's a lot of people. What a lot of people can relate to right now. I mean, maybe you're self-employed. Your business is not doing as well. You're laid off. If I need to walk away from that deal, I'm going to forfeit my deposit because I don't. You know, developers aren't handing back money. I'm going to forfeit the deposit, and then if I don't go through on the deal. If the developer sells it for less, say they sell it for 850 instead of a million, well, there's 150K in damages. So I lost my hundred thousand deposit, I lost 150K in damages, I'm in the whole 250K all because I lost my job. And you know, I mean we all hope things are better for us in the future, but you know, two years out, it is hard to predict. So um, what I think about pre-sales, and you should just be conscious of it, and we'll be talking about it today is there are a lot of contingencies that can arise because of the timeline. Mm-hmm. And I think the timeline can give you some fantastic leverage on your money. I mean, if you can put down a bit of money to purchase, say, in Langford, and I know Langford is a community um, that people are talking about. Yep. I, you, you had someone on the show recently.
2: We, we've spoken who, about Langford at length, yeah, who,
3: who was very excited about Tawasin. I thought that was you know a very an interesting episode. So if you can put down some money in the form of a deposit, You can ride the market up for four or five years and then complete. You know, that's a fantastic way to leverage your money. I think the thing, though, you've got to be thinking about is how's the world going to look in four or five years and what's your situation going to be like?
2: Yeah, that's a tough thing to predict
1: right now. (laughs) <laughs> that's, yeah.
2: Has there ever been a harder I was going to say,
1: <laughs> we're sitting at the end of June in 2020, and yeah. Thanks for time stamping. <laughs> yeah. In terms of uncertainty, uh, yeah. I don't think it gets much worse than this. Hopefully not.
3: <laughs> but, but I think one of the things that's um, useful to think about, and, and I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from entering into a pre sale contract, I think it can be a fantastic uh, purchase or investment. Um, but what you can do as a purchaser, is there are some things that you can do to protect yourself. So, so what are some things you can do, Lane, to protect yourself? So we've just talked about the fact that it's just a contractual interest. Um, but there are a few things that you can be looking at. Number one is read the documents. Um, that's really key. And I, I know it won't be easy for a lot of people, but number one, go through the documents. In my view, it's very helpful to have your own realtor I know most most developers or all developers will have their realtor, but you should have your own person. You've got your realtor. Once you've signed the documents, how it works is you'll get the purchase and sale agreement. that will be executed. You'll get the disclosure statement. And then you'll have what's called a seven-day rescission period. So under law in BC, you have seven days to get out of your contract. In those seven days, if you have any hesitation whatsoever, I think you should go see a lawyer. And this can be the person that you're going to hire eventually to do the deal once it completes. And they can go through the documentation in, let's say, an hour or two, and they can kind of hit the highlights. So realtor, uh, lawyer. And I'd say the, the third piece is do some due diligence on the developer. Uh, look at some of the projects the developer has done. And in my case, I would talk to some people I know in the industry and say, hey, what do you, what do you think about this developer?
2: Mm-hmm. Lane, we we always uh, talk about we've talked about the rescission period on on our show before. Um, we often like to think of it as as you can kind of pull the plug on the deal or collapse the deal for any reason at all. Like you go to sleep, you have a bad dream about the project, you wake up, you you, you collapse you the deal, you walk away, you walk away, um, which is different from a transaction in resale. Is that are we thinking about that correctly?
3: Yeah. So just in the pre-sale context, I'll nuance that a little bit. Um, a lot of people use subjects and I'm sure in the resale market, you've seen some pretty crazy subjects drafted. Yeah,
2: mostly by Matt. <laughs>
3: well, I, I, I won't comment on realtor drafting. There, there, there are wonderful <laughs> courses offered by the association. I, I've seen some great contracts, uh, but it's mostly bad contracts that keep me busy. Hmm. Um, so, so just going back to conditions, I've, I've seen people use conditions in a very silly way as kind of the get out of jail card. I I don't think that's the right way to use conditions. I think you should draft something that's clear that achieves the outcomes you want. That's in the resale market. Going back to pre-sale, I mean, it's as you say, you've got these seven days from the time you get the disclosure statement to sleep on it. We talked about doing some due diligence. I think ideally you do that before you sign the contract, but, but you can do it then. Once you've signed the contract and those seven days have lapsed, you might, and I say might, Get another opportunity for your rescission rights if there are is um, certain changes, uh, like the developer goes into receivership, and bankruptcy. They have to file a new disclosure statement. You might be able to get it out then, but those circumstances are fairly limited. So once those seven days runs, um, you're either going to complete and get the get the purchase. You're not. You're going to pay some damages, or um, you might have a right to sue. So uh, to go back to the question, you know, once those seven days are up, I think you should be pretty prepared, absent something exceptional to buy the place.
2: Right, right. So I'm I'm just going to recap on some of this before we move to number two. So you're buying a contractual interest in a property um, and then you need to be doing your due diligence, which is obviously reviewing the documents, making sure that the developer has a, a good solid reputation. And being aware that you have a a rescission period.
3: Yeah, I I, I think that's um, a pretty good summary. I mean, we we'll, we can move on to the next point, but I'll I'll just kind of highlight this. I mean, I was involved in a deal where if you read the disclosure statement, you would have known the developer was a pretty bad guy. Um, <laughs> right. Or, it's usually or,
1: early on when they talk about the history of the, yeah. the, or, or, the people involved <laughs> in the development group. Right. But it's
3: funny. I mean, you know, um, a lot of people don't read them, and that's unfortunate.
1: Right. Don't that's, name names. Yeah, that's that's kind of hilarious though, because presumably <laughs> uh, in that write up about uh, the, the the directors of the company, they usually put a good spin on it. So imagine what it would, if, if it read poorly. Imagine how bad the guy was in real life. Right. Uh, number two.
2: Yeah. So the project may not complete on time.
3: So this is this is an interesting aspect of buying a pre sale. So, you know, it's 2020 and I know we're in the middle of some very unusual, you know, a bus- an unusual business environment. Um, but if you're looking at a pre-sale, I mean, a lot of these projects are going to complete between 2021 and 2023. I know a five-year period is long, but it's usually a few years. So what you'll have in the contract is usually an estimated completion date. And then the other piece is you'll have an outside completion date. So let's say the estimated completion date is June 2021, a year away, and the outside completion date is January 2022. So it means that they can um, extend that date up until the outside date. Um, the thing that I think you have to be mindful of, very practically, is if you have a very firm move-in date, um, it might not happen. And I, I mean, I want to use my, I'll use my own circumstances in my life. Just to illustrate the point, um, my wife and I just had a baby. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's why I look so tired. <laughs> that's beside the point. Um, so our daughter's eight months old now. Um, we were renting previously, um, not too far from your studio here on 19th and Canby. Uh, wonderful one-bedroom garden suite, great place to live. But, you know, with a child on the way, we knew we needed more space and we needed to have some certainty in terms of when we were moving. So uh, I think the point I want to illustrate here is, you know, you can look at the contract. There's going to be an estimated completion date. There's going to be an outside date by which it has to be completed. But when it actually happens, is a bit up in the air. And 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 I think people think about this, well, you know, I read the contract. It says that date. I'm, you know, I should be ready to move in a month or two before. And I've seen that cause issues for people who, you know, maybe they've given notice of their rental and you know they're stuck between a rock and a hard place.
1: Right. And and I feel like at least in my experience certain developers are better at hitting, hitting those, targets, hitting those targets than others. Um and and there's certain buildings that will be left unnamed, but right. one downtown I'm thinking of that was like uh, how how the delays were, it was an exceptional circumstance I yeah. think. But man, yeah, you were you were waiting for it was years after when they were first talking about I completing.
2: I also think as purchasers, we often have the best case scenario in mind and we think about that date and we're like, wow, there's a, you know, they'll probably meet that date. But in reality, with all the red tape in the development world and with the city of Vancouver, typically, th- th- those dates often are, are the, the outside date is probably exercised more often than we think.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've certainly talked to people who've had to move back in with their parents who are you know coach surfing, and I think that's a tough situation to f- swallow. When you you know you've put 50k down, you've waited two and a half years, and now you're being told you know there might be a few more months. I, I personally, I think that's tough.
1: So, what kind of uh, remedies, if any, in this situation are there for uh, ongoing delays?
3: So the developer um, has to disclose. Uh, This comes back to the disclosure system. So the developer has to disclose on a continuous basis changes to material facts. And and that's defined in the law, and I won't get too technical. But changes um, to the estimated completion date, if they're significant, have to be disclosed. And the developer has to make that disclosure reasonably promptly. If that disclosure is not made, um, you can sue for damages. And we'll talk about this later. The problem, right, is... You know, if you're talking about a few months rent, um, your damages aren't going to be huge. A lawsuit is probably a lot of work for that. I think the thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is we've talked about delays, but this can also cut the other way. There are certain con- contractual provisions that the developer can give you fairly short notice that you have to complete. And I don't know if, you, if you've seen that in, in your practice, but sometimes it can be a matter of weeks.
1: Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Often it's – you're kind of waiting and it's like, oh, 10 days, 10 days, 14 days, right? That's the – Yeah,
3: I don't have my finger on that, but I know it can be pretty quick. It's yeah. tight.
1: Yeah. It's tight, yeah.
3: So, so so, I have told clients who are, you know, nervous about that kind of situation, um, make sure you have pre-approval uh, for your financing. you got to be on top of the development. Um you know, there's there's no excuse to not be checking your mail when you're going to be moving in a few weeks. Right. So,
1: number three, what you get might be different than what you ordered. Sounds like Panago. This
3: is uh, – yeah. uh, I thought that was a very, very catchy title. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Wait, that's not Panago's slogan, though. No, no, no. no. Just my experience. (laughs) (laughs) We're
2: going to get sued. I know, Uh, (laughs) yeah. Are we actually, Lane?
3: (laughs) Well, hopefully Panago isn't listening. Um, John Panago. So so you guys, um, as you know, sometimes these contracts can have fairly um, short timelines for the pre-closing inspection. And, you you know, you bought this thing three years ago. You're getting to see it let's say a few weeks before it's complete, sometimes you won't have enough time to actually do anything about any changes. And that's what um, we're really talking about now. If you expected to get X and actually what you get is Y, what can you do about it? And this goes back to the documents we talked about. If you look at that contract purchase and sale and you look at the disclosure statement, usually the developer has rights to change the size the layout, and the finishings of the project. And it's funny because I think a lot of people look at the, the show unit and they absolutely fall in love with it because the developer has made it look absolutely fantastic, um, rightfully so, because they've got to sell the project. And you know that becomes your expectation. But the problem is you get something a little different. You find out a few days before closing, there's not really much you can do about it, so you end up closing
2: Look for the sticker items not included. It's usually on millwork. Uh, you know that's that's one of the a lot of the custom built-ins are never included, right? So,
1: right. I feel like in in often what you hear about too is that second bedroom uh, that on paper looks like oh yeah second bedroom uh, yeah that should be fine and in in real life it's 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 quite a bit smaller than it's people, eight by eight yeah yeah. yeah what what can you do in that situation like so the floor plan is uh, there's been slight modifications to the floor plan uh, the square footage seems off what 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 can you do as a buyer
3: so hopefully by that stage you've engaged a lawyer to help you with the closing uh, often the developer has a recommended lawyer and sometimes that can be the right person to go with but in many cases it's worthwhile having your own lawyer who you maybe have had a business relationship in the past. What you're probably going to have is a claim for damages. um, If, if what is delivered deviates from the contract. So, so the contract gives a little wiggle room to the developer. You get your lawyer to look at it and what you're buying is actually beyond that deviation. Right. You'll, you'll have a claim for damages. This, this comes back to the problem though. You know, if, if I've got a slight reduction in square footage or my finishings are a bit different, am I really going to go through a Supreme Court lawsuit to get, get those damages? Well, one thing to think of, and this is how a lot of pre-sale litigation happens, is there's a few purchasers in the same situation and, and they band together and do a lawsuit against the developer. So that's an option. But I think the takeaway here, at least for me, is you're, you're not guaranteed and you're probably not Going to get exactly what you ordered or what you looked at,
1: right? And and we've talked in the past about uh, about all sorts of th- things that you don't consider. You know whether right. it's you know you walk out on the balcony and you're staring into an electrical pole that you right. would have noticed and potentially not bought it if you knew about. But uh, it it's definitely the case that it, it's very hard to build something with the exact square footage quoted three years yeah. ago. <laughs> and, and if you ever have an afternoon to
2: kill, try and work through that formula for square footage that the developer <laughs> yeah. provides on how they're going to compensate you. Um, isn't that thing just a, I mean, it's it's like, what, they don't do price per square foot, right? It's kind of, it's extrapolated by, it's, it's, a, it's a fun one to look at anyways. Yeah. I've had to do a few calculations with it. <laughs> Uh, anyways, that's uh, so. I guess do you, do you have more on that lane, or should we move on to the next one?
3: So, so let's uh, jump to the next one. Uh, I think we titled it, "In in rare cases, the project is never completed." So this is, um, in my experience, it's exceptional, but it does happen. Uh, one one example, and, and people have maybe heard of this, is there was a project in Richmond that was canceled last year. Right, um, it's kind
1: of a famous situation, or it, at least in the real estate industry.
3: Yeah, Anderson Anderson Square Holdings, and the developer canceled, and I think thirty six of the purchasers have now sued, and what they're suing for is the developer canceled the projects they had purchased at a project they had purchased at a certain price, and they're suing for the uplift in prices and what the developer had said is i'm never going to be able to do it by this completion date and i have a dispute with the contractor so that was the developer's basis for moving out and the the point i'd like to make is you know purchasers have a lawsuit maybe they'll get some money but what they're out of pocket is they're never going to own that unit they might have put a deposit down and waited a few years and at best they'll get some money a few years down the line and in the interim they have to fund legal fees so what's nice is when you're buying in the resale market, you know, contracts are fairly short fuse. I mean deals get done pretty fast. And this is just, you know, another problem with having a let's say one to five year window where things can happen.
1: Yeah, that seems like a a, a tragic Situation for somebody who you know, especially someone who's potentially scraping to get into the market. Right, you mm-hmm. get in, you're seeing, say, through 2017, two, three, four percent month over month, where condos are increasing in value. Right, uh, you're you're potentially renting or living in your parents' basement or whatever situation, but you're fe- you're feeling very confident because you've made that purchase and you're good. And then yeah. you're told at the end, actually, no, uh, hey, we'll give you back your deposit but uh thanks, but no thanks it 's not happening, and potentially you're you're looking at things that are now hundred k more than they were when you bought yeah and the and the emotional wreckage of you know having picked the furniture, to, you know
2: the paint pallets, everything that you 've planned and already imagined yourself living in this place, right, especially as a first time home buyer
3: yeah so so i I agree i mean I, it's not a common situation, but it does happen. I mean, you just think of someone that entered into a contract in two thousand thirteen. They they saw that huge lift. They they thought you know this has been a great investment. Contract gets canceled in 2017 or 2018. Um, you're in a tough situation, especially if you're on a fixed income.
1: Right, right. And th- and this is I think goes back to the to the point of uh, you know there's some there's some known well known developers with great reputations in the city. Uh, I think it's it's uh, of paramount importance to do your due diligence and make sure that you're you're dealing with. Somebody who's done it before knows what they're doing and, uh, and has a track record of getting the job done.
3: And, and just to that point, I mean, we did talk about you know, developers cancelling projects. Um, that, that project in Richmond is an example. The other thing we're seeing a bit more of, and we talked about this at the top, is um, developers who are going belly up on projects. And we won't go into the technical part of the law, but essentially if a project goes belly up, there is an opportunity in certain cases the bankruptcy, let's call it a receiver, to cancel the contracts and resell for more. So that's another situation where this can happen to you. And that's all the more reason why you got to do your due diligence on the developer. I mean, good people right now are going under. That's Mm -hmm. very unfortunate. It's just part of being in business. But at least you've done something to protect yourself that I think will help you sleep better at night if this happens.
2: Really sound advice. So uh, number five, there are restrictions on getting out of the contract.
3: So we talked a little bit more and I think it's because it's such an important point, we should talk about it again. So you enter into the contract, you you go to the sales office, you look at all the marketing materials. And one thing I want to say about marketing materials is you got to read the fine print at the bottom. And you guys know, and I'm sure you've prepared many of them. It says at the bottom, these are not representations or warranties. You've got to look at the purchase materials.
2: (laughs) That's Matt's (laughs) (laughs) headshot.
3: So that's the first thing. I mean, I I think a problem often arises because people love the marketing materials and, you know, great photos. They look good. Um, But what you've really got to look at, and this is the more important documents, are the purchase and sale agreement and the disclosure statement. So we talked about when you get that disclosure statement, you've got that first uh, seven day period, and and I think you called it just you know sleep on it. You have a bad dream and you're out. Sure. Yeah. The the other aspect we talked about is that rescission right. So that right to walk away on seven days' notice comes up again in limited circumstances, like the developer goes under, they have to file a new disclosure statement. Um, but as soon as that first seven day period is up, you should be re- able to complete. So, one way to get out of the contract is rescission, which we just talked about. The other is, um, and you've probably seen this. I know it was very hot up and up until a year or two we ago. It's very so cold. Quite a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, assignments. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's almost a bad word now.
2: It, it, it is almost, eh? it's, it's, uh, I Well, sometimes around it, the shadow it's called flipping. shadow flipping. Yeah, yeah exactly. That was, um, that was obviously to do with assignments. But assignments clearly have their, their purpose and they're very useful and they're helpful in many cases as well.
3: Yeah, so I, I see assignments and real estate transactions really in two contexts. One is, you know, me personally, I entered into the deal. I actually want my company to complete the deal. So I'll just go to the developer, and usually that's not a big deal. Um, The developer, usually there's provisions in the pre-sale contract, but giving consent, that's situation one. Situation two is that situation we talked about where my financial circumstances have changed big time. I won't be able to complete next year. I know that for sure, and I want to pass this contract on to someone else who can complete. So in that situation, I would – Line someone else up, and I'd probably go to the developer with my lawyer and have a conversation. And most developers, I mean, they don't want litigation. Right. Uh, You know, they're in the business of making money. I personally think being a developer is a hard job. Um, It's easier when we have this fantastic market going up two to 4% a month. But when we're in an environment like this, I mean, it's really about. Um, controlling costs and you certainly want to avoid litigation
1: right in my experience it seems like developers are are keen to help people uh, that are in situations unforeseen circumstances uh, materialize in their life. but one thing to say about assignments that I think we've we've probably talked about on the show is that it's it's challenging in a lot of ways because a I've never seen a contract that doesn't stipulate that the developer can just refuse the right to assign. A contract, more recently at least. Yeah, yeah. you need you need uh, the developer's consent. Secondly, certain developers out there won't let you uh, market the assignment, basically using their name, using the address, uh, saying much very limited. Put it on MLS. You're not allowed to put it on MLS. So you're you're literally trying to market saying brand new one bed in North Van on Craigslist uh, to sell. Like it's a very challenging. it's a very challenging thing to do, especially in in markets like we have right now, yeah, and then the last point is
2: obviously the developer often wants uh, a percentage of the assignment right there's an assignment fee associated with you know one percent three percent five percent etc right
3: so so on assignments i I mean I don't disagree with any of the comments you made um, I think you know if you've entered into a good deal and you can, chances are you can get out of it. I think the tough thing is if you're in a bad deal that no one wants. I mean, that's going to put you in a tough situation. Right. And I think the takeaway here for um, listeners is if you're in a pre-sale contract and those seven days have passed and nothing else has come up to give you that rescission right again, absent, you know, some exceptional circumstances, you're going to have to complete and it's pretty hard to get out of the deal. And one thing you can do, is, you know, walk away from your deposit. But I think for a lot of people, that's not something that's really palatable.
1: Right. And and it's worth pointing out here that you are in, in most situations at the mercy, like developers consent. I think there's a story that this happened maybe in 2015, uh, where people were signing contracts and seeing considerable profits. And I know there was a developer that will uh, – be left unnamed here that basically right before they provided consent, saw what the the purchaser was selling it for and shook them down for another 10 or 15 K to get the signature. Like it's literally, uh, and, and his consent was everything, right. Or the deal collapsed. So there's, there's definitely, uh, you're at the mercy in a lot of ways to, to getting that consent.
3: And I know there are pretty specific rules now about assignments and um, increases in value. And I don't have my finger on that. But that is just something else to be pretty mindful of.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Maybe moving on to number six, Lane, expect some growing pains post-completion.
3: So this is interesting. I mean, the upside of buying a pre-sale is you get something new. And I think that's fantastic because usually if something's new, it won't have a ton of problems. I mean, that's not always the case, um, but I'd say that's usually the case. So one of the best things about buying a new pre-sale is you get a warranty, um, which is great because um, you're not going to get that on a resale unless someone gives it to you in the contract. Right. So you, you're going to have your 2 five ten, um, but you might have some problems. I mean, I, I just moved into something that's new and you know there's a few small things to look at um, and that's just something I think you have to be prepared to deal with. Versus if you move into something already built, I mean, you could run the dishwasher. You could use all the appliances. You know, all, I, I'm just – you'll get to try those during the pre-closing inspection. But, you know, if it's already built, you'll, you'll really get to do that.
1: Well, and there's also that kind of – when I think of new buildings and growing pains, you think of kind of trying to establish a culture uh, with the strata. Building the strata, what, it, what type of strata it's going to be. almost inevitably there's break-ins in a new building in the first year where you have to re- revamp the security. Um, there's definitely growing pain.: yeah. yeah and yeah. strata, and, and
2: often we see the developer, whatever the uh, strata fee that they assign at the pre-sale, it never actually lines up with what the operating budget has to be, so you often see that, that strata fee going up after the first significant first year. growing pain.
3: Well, that's interesting. I mean, that—that that I think is the bigger growing pain for people. Very practically, I mean, I've been told by a realtor, and I won't name the realtor, to to expect a strata fee increase of fifty to a hundred percent over what you're told.
2: Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That, I mean I I it's a new territory with uh insurance now as well right I, I mean, think that so would that, be that's potentially
1: what they were referring to right is that and that actually speaks, that that actually speaks to kind of the uncertainty where if you buy something in the context of say 2017 2018 uh, and you 're completing today, and suddenly your strata insurance premiums are much higher than you ever expected, and the water deductible uh, is much higher than you expected, and your personal insurance is higher than you expected there's there 's those unforeseen circumstances and this sure. is the misconception that people think that because the building is newer that the premium's
2: going to for some reason be lower but it it what we're seeing actually is a lot of brand new product downtown now is sitting with a 250,000 dollars water deductible.
1: Wow. Um
2: and it it has no bearing on the
1: fact that yeah, it's 20 it's new. I just saw a 2016 building with a 250k water deductible. I think it went up from yeah, like something like 20k, right? Just crazy.
2: Yeah. Huge huge jumps obviously, but that's a separate uh, separate yeah. conversation we could have for an hour. So <laughs>
1: so we've we've went through through six pitfalls or things you should know. We have one more. And I feel like we're pretty negative on pre-sales here. Give, yeah. us some, give us some good news here, Lane. Why should we be buying pre-sales?
3: So number seven is it's a fantastic purchase in the right circumstances. And this comes back to something I said earlier, um, just, just about leverage. I mean, you can get into a great market a few years down the line, put down a reasonably sized deposit. Maybe you don't have all the cash in hand. And then in three years, the property has increased a few hundred K in value. I see that as uh, the number one reason, or 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 the top advantage of pre-sales.
1: Right. I mean, it's it's worth pointing out, right? You're you're only into it for well, somewhere between ten to twenty percent usually is the deposit. Um, but, uh, you can often, or we've seen people often double that, uh, pretty yeah. quick in a, in a rising market. Yeah,
2: Matt, but just to, in thinking about that, so if you did put down, say a deposit of $20,000 or, or 20% of the purchase price, I should say, um, on a, on a million dollar condo and that condo goes up by 10% over the three years, say for example, you're, you're basically making, you know, 50, a 50% return on your money invested.
1: Leverage is a beautiful thing, Adam.
2: That is for <laughs> sure.
3: So leverage can cut two ways. I mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're pointing out, uh, yeah, we're yeah. optimists in this room. No, no, right? that, that, I thought this was the great. optimistic point, <laughs> right? this, this is the optimistic <laughs> point. Um, but, you know, I, I, if you're in a flat market, you're in a flat market. That's just something to be conscious of. I mean, the market might be down a little, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, this idea of leverage cutting both ways, because in it's really about kind of, I mean, at at base, you're speculating on what What's going to happen in the real estate market, right? When you're when you're buying a pre-sale, especially for investment purposes, and it's worth thinking, especially in markets like this, you know there there are potentially better options, like paying down a mortgage over the course of three years, sure. where you might actually be in a better position if you buy something uh, that's already built and and you have a place to live and you have certainty. And you have mortgage pay down and you don't have to worry about the market doing whatever you're, you're hoping in your, your wildest dreams it does. Yeah, and you're avoiding the 5% GST, which is payable on, on new construction, right? This has been generally a negative uh, talk about pre-sales.
3: <laughs> so, so, so I'll bring it back to the positive. Um, here's where I think pre-sales really make sense for people. I think if you have a flexible situation and, and I give the example of say you're living with your parents – it's going to complete in a year or two. you're quite ca- happy to stay there. If there's any delays, that's not the end of the world. Um, you're not stuck renting and giving notice. Um, so you have a fairly solid personal situation. I think you can deal with some you know contingencies in, in your home ownership situation. I think the other situation is if you're an investor, um, you've got a secure personal situation, you've got a place to live. Um, ideally this completes. If it doesn't, um, for whatever reason, then you're okay. So I, I see those as the two real situations where I think this vehicle makes the most sense. I know there's other situations. And as long as you go in, eye, eyes wide open I, and it works for you, that's great.
2: Yeah. And uh, last point I just want to, because I, I just want to hammer one one other positive about uh, from the investment perspective, you know, we had a client who bought a pre-construction townhouse in Squamish and he was an investor. He bought it. He had a couple years before he has to complete on it. And he was able to negotiate a two-year rent in place. So thinking about it from an investment perspective, he's got essentially almost five years to not have to worry about this property at all. A lot can all, happen in right? five years. Yeah. It's uh, So, I mean, for that perspective, it's it's there, there There always are fantastic opportunities. And, I mean, the flip side of that is in down markets developers will
1: negotiate. Well, they'll negotiate and the incentives are sometimes very, very attractive, as you just mentioned, in Squamish, right? Well, that's great, Lane. Thank you so much for your time. A lot of of things to chew on there, for sure. How can people find out more about what you do over at Castles Brock?
3: So just Google my name, Lane Hellrung, L-A-Y-N-E-H-E-L-L-R-U-N-G. And my phone number and email is on the website. Uh, Give me a call. Happy to chat through any issues.
1: Thanks again for your time. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Lane Hellrung
2: from Castles Brock. Really enjoyed that conversation with Lane. Uh, Really wise,
1: well-spoken guy. Thoughtful guy, that's for sure. Also, Lane was one of the first people we've had back in the studio. Yes, not I tried the to shake his hand.
2: It was it was yeah, that embarrassing. Was all, that was awkward. Yeah, I you. know. I like ran at him. I was like Lane, bear hug. Uh, <laughs> no, bear, no yeah. mask. Bear want, hug. Want to sip of my drink? Yeah, no. It, and I, 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 just I sometimes lose the plot. I, I forget that we're in these times. And I, and I was keeping my distance after, but I did go in for the shake. That's right. Um,
1: old habits die hard around. Well, here. Well, you know what? And I, I it Excuse was exciting. To have him in the studio for sure, social distancing, of course, but uh, we're hopefully getting back to the to the real studio.
2: Yes, I can't wait. As long as the, the bento box, Ramey films.com, yeah, as long as uh, the news continues to be positive, we will be back at the bento box. I cannot wait. Ramey, uh, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I understand he's growing his hair out. Is that right? No, I'm just made that <laughs> up, but I, I have a feeling I don't know if he's had his post-COVID haircut yet, but uh. We're excited to see. Absolutely.
1: So, what else do we got before we go? Well, we're still in the process of writing our talk. What is really going on in the Vancouver real estate market? Which uh, um, Taylor Steele came up with that title, that, not us. That but, was Taylor um, Steele's title. We'll just but have to fill it in. Now we're going sh- <laughs> to we're going to shoehorn whatever we talk about into that title. Yeah. But uh, it'll be good. that is July eleventh, nine to twelve, the Vancouver real estate summit. Gonna be great. We're sending out the registration form tomorrow to the live wire list. So stay tuned for that. We also got that Seller's Club. Yeah, Seller's Club. And here's the thing. If you are
2: on the live wire, you're not necessarily going to be getting the resources for the seller's guide. So if you want actually the selling resource, just send us a quick email. We'll add you to that list. And uh, we are revamping the site to make sure that there's a spot for you to to sign up directly, um, which will make it easier. But for the time being, just put Seller's Club in the
1: subject of the email and we will get you on that list. You can do all this at com, and so much more. That is where we have the back catalog. We have tons of resources. The LiveWire, not only are you going to get that registration, you get deal of the month. And everything else that is valuable to our listeners uh, that goes out on the live wire. We also have private client services.
2: Yeah, Matt, because if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get basically realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free, it's available on our site. It is the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver. There, I is, promise you that. there
1: is absolutely no better way to search for real estate in Vancouver. And if you're thinking of selling, it's also a very good resource, private client services over at yeah. com. Know what your neighbors are selling for. That's exactly it. If you want to talk about that, pre-sales or anything else... Give me a call at seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam
2: at VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot We also got that secret line: shadow flipping tires. <laughs> <laughs> is he is he still working out? I don't I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, elliptical. It's still is, going. It's still I saw going? him on the weekend. Did he look good? Did he Well from afar he wouldn't let me within like twenty yeah. meters? But, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: Is he is he he's still social isolated? He's,
1: he's very much socially isolated. Yeah, Forty years later. <laughs> Speaking of not getting a haircut, yeah. yeah. But that's info at Vancouver Real if you want to get a hold of secret. And uh, happy Canada day guys. Enjoy the rest of the week. Take care. or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers, that's Holyhouse.ca.
0: Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution.
1: We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down.